Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Here's what I want you to do. I know we just prayed, but I want you to... uh, uh, the ushers are passing those little baskets by, but, but as they're passing, I think you can like pass and pray, right? That, that's it. That, that's a new strategy, pass and pray, all right? I want you to do some passing and praying. I want you to just touch your heart right now. Just, just pause right where you are. You can stop the ba- basket passing for half a second. Just pray right now. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Change my life. I don't want to be the same when I leave this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can have a seat as you continue to pass those baskets. Uh, I'd like it if you'd get your Bibles open to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number 68, verse 6. I also have a second place. You're going to find two places in the Bible. Mark one, hold the other. We're going to come to the Psalm one first. The other is Galatians 6, 7, and they're going to make those go back and forth on the slides right there so that you can uh, find both of those. Get your Bibles open to that. Hey, if you're new around here, uh, we, you've walked into our, our family foyer here, which is a, is a you know, it's in the process of being... Um, being livened up, and we're, we're actually in a big remodeling project. So, so everything's not perfect right now, but men, in the days to come, we're going to have all fresh new lighting out there. Uh, then, then after that, we're going to be tearing carpet out in the, in the children's room as well as in here, making a lot, and, and putting new carpet back in, of course, yeah. not just taking it out, but putting new carpet back in. A lot of other little things that are going to be happening. Uh, you'll see the most of the changes over the next several weeks, but, but we'll be continuing to do a lot of things really into the summer, so I'm pretty excited about that, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who have given, and also thank you to the volunteers who have come out here. I know some of you have been doing stuff almost every day, but thank you, thank you, thank you very, very much. There's so much left to do, but it's, it's going to be fun seeing it all come together, because this is your church. It is, it is. Um, I, I, we like to call it our house around here. This is your house. Uh, so we, we, we call it that because we're, we're like family. You know, when you go home, you go to your house, right? And we, we have a house that we go to, whether it's an apartment or whatever, you call it your house. And, and I want you to enjoy this, your house. Uh, and again, if you're not yet a part of the City Life family, I'd love for you to come and join me tomorrow night. Just show up right here at seven o'clock. We're going to have a good time with Partnership Track. But today is Vision Day. This is the one Sunday out of the year where I share vision about what I believe God is doing and what I believe God wants to do among us. And, and the word family is a huge theme that's been like bursting in my heart. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, a few months ago, I was, I was going through Psalm 68 and, and I, one verse caught my attention. It just grabbed my attention, I, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. I found myself kept, kept coming back to it again and again and again, and, and, uh, and it was really around October of last year that I felt like this particular scripture was, was to become our theme scripture for the coming year, and I put it to prayer, and I, I just really believe it. I've shared it a couple of times, but today I, I want you to hear it. I want you to get it in your heart and in your spirit. It's Psalm chapter number 68, verse 6. And it says this, it's in your Bibles, mark it in your Bibles. This is a good one. It says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun 
scorched land. Come on, say that aloud with me. Come on, just read it with me. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Now, this is written in a style of Hebrew poetry called parallelism. I'm going to tell you what parallelism, it's where one line is restated in a very different way, and what it does, it's actually accentuating and illuminating the opposite. And you know what? I'm glad that you're over there preaching with me and saying amen with me right there. Yeah, see, because you know what? I love having kids in church. If kids make a little bit of noise, that's just the way it is. you, you, You okay with that? Yeah, I just got thinking. I don't know who's saying amen over there, but I like that amen. See, because right there, you you probably got a preacher getting raised up there. I like that. But what I wanted you to do, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a literature lesson. Is that all right? I I want I want to teach you what your literature teacher failed to teach you. That's right. Oh, I know you may, some of you may have warm feelings toward your literature. I don't have any warm feelings toward those teachers, but you may have warm But I will tell you, your literature teacher most likely did not teach you about the most printed, most published, most quoted work of literature in the history of the world, which is called the Holy Bible. Come on. I mean, that's like the core literature. You have to like, oh, we're scared of it. Oh, come on. Get over it, right? Oh, do you think teachers should be scared of the Bible? No. Okay, you scared me for you scared me for just a second. Okay, Psalm chapter sixty-eight, verse six has uses parallelism. Now, here's your literature lesson. Look at the first line of it. It says, "God sets the lonely in families." Now, that's kind of like the main point of that verse. It's, it's it's basically the heading, but then right under it is a parallel statement. And the parallel statement is this. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Now, you might say, those two have nothing to do with each other. Actually, they have everything to do with each other. That's why the parallelism is used here, because that second line accentuates and illuminates the previous line. So when you put the two together, those two statements together, it makes the statement that says this, is that God searches for lonely people and he puts them into families. And these lonely peoples, that, that God sees them, he also says you know, they're, they're prisoners. And what they're imprisoned by is they're imprisoned by their own loneliness. And as he leads them out, he puts a song in their mouth of the lonely prisoner and he leads them out of that prison of isolation and he sets you in a family. Now that's why we sing around here. Like that's, It's right there. We love to sing around here. Why? Because we've been led out of our prison with singing. And God's placed us in a family. Now looking back to the scripture, you'll see a third line there. That third line also uses parallelism. It's not out of place. It fits there perfectly. The third line for our theme scripture, this is our theme scripture for this year, it makes it even more intriguing. It really illuminates the other two in an incredible way. See, this parallel line, it actually comes in contrast to the previous two. What it says is that the rebellious are living in a hot, dry, parched desert. And it's a choice as to whether they're going to live in that scorching place of no water and no crops and no fruit or no deep and meaningful relationship or not. It's a choice. In other words, what's being said here is that self-isolation is prison. 
And it goes so far as to use the word rebellion. Basically what it is, it's rebellion against family. It's rebellion against God is really what it is. That's what the Bible says. So I want us to say this scripture again, having a little more insight into what it means. Come on, say it aloud with me. God sets the lonely in family. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. All right, we're going to get into this. Today uh, is Vision Day, and my message title is 2020 Family Focus. Say 2020 Family Focus. I mean, you can see really, really clear. I have a vision to create a more dynamic family atmosphere here at City Life. I, I see the possibilities of a church where people relate to each other in the same way that God relates to us. It's where we want the best for each other without expecting or demanding anything in return. At church, I believe this is a place where we should just have this wake-up call that we're, we're just not going to be, we're not going to stay mad at people. How's that? See, a healthy family, this needs to, I want this to be a healthy family where we strive to really walk in peace with everyone. And I'm grateful that that's the way our church is. And I'm just saying, it's time to pour some fuel on that. Let's make that a huge part of our culture. So my, my first challenge to you today, it's, it's three words, and you might think at first this doesn't fit, but it does, okay? I, I'm going to challenge you to sow spiritual seed. Write that down. Now, while you're writing that down, get your, your Bibles flipped over to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. So when I say sow spiritual seed, when I say that, what, what comes to mind? Well, if you take the word spiritual out, then you just have the two words sow seed. And you're like, well, I, I know what that means. You take seed and you put it in soil and you water it and it produces something, right? The seed is small, tiny, but it, uh, it is often producing something that's large. In fact, when you compare the seed to what's actually produced, sometimes, I mean, it's just, it's, it's massive. You know that. But it always produces what it is, okay? So the seed produces what, it, what has been sown. So what God wants us to do is God wants us to sow seed, but not just any kind of seed. It is spiritual seed. We need to sow to please the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, Paul writes this letter to this ancient church in Galatia, and, uh, and we get a description of this, uh, this principle here, and it's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Now, starting off with that, you look, he's saying, please don't get, don't get deceived. Don't let anyone trick you. There is, there's deception, in other words, in the culture that, uh, that hey, you know, you can get what, you just like do whatever you want, but it actually doesn't work that way. You're going to reap what you sow. You've heard that. That's, that's another common line in our culture. You reap what you sow, right? And there, there it is. That's where it comes from. It comes from the scriptures. But let's go a little bit further to get a little bit deeper into this. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction or corruption. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So there's two types of sowing. 
and uh, he doesn't focus on sowing to please the flesh. And so I'm not going to focus on that today. I want to focus on what he focuses on. He focuses on sowing that's good in a way that's going to please the spirit. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Now, then he goes on to say, same, this is the same statement. It's not separate. It's the same thought. He said, so let us not become weary in doing good. It's like, well, what does that have to do with sowing? Like, why did he change subjects? No, he didn't. Same subject right here. Doing good, that's the seed, okay? For he says, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Yeah. You're saying, Pastor, are you trying to tell me that sowing spiritual seed is just like doing good? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's it. That's it. It really is. It's, God really does make it that simple for us. So he goes on, though. Now he says, therefore, the next, there's that, that's, a, that's a transition word. Therefore, that means because of all this I just shared with you, as we have opportunity, let us do good. That's the seed. Do good to all people. Yeah, even some of the people you don't like. But, but look at this. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Your family gets priority. Do you see that? Right? Yeah. Okay. For, for example, you know, if, if, uh, if, if I, my son runs out of gas and he needs some help and he calls me up and I'm on my way to go pick him up and then there's somebody else on the road with, with no gas, I'm going to give my son gas first, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Those of you who don't have family, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're like, no, I would just go wherever. Well, good for you. But listen to this, all right? Because you're going to get this. It says, really, is, but, but you're going to reap then the same type of good seed that you sow. Which means there's going to be this massive reproduction of whatever you sow, doing good, you're going to sow, you're going to get this massive reproduction. So he encourages us to sow this good seed and to not give up. Paul says basically, don't let yourself get weary, don't get wore out doing this thing. I know you may not see the results, I know it, I know it, I know it, but keep doing this, especially to your family of believers. Keep sowing, sow to please the Spirit. But again, what does he mean, sow to please the Spirit? Isn't that the crux of the message? I want to do that. That's what we want to do. We want to sow to please the Spirit of God. Well, you can definitely see that it's the opposite of sowing to, to, uh, to please the flesh. All right? So we know it's the opposite of that. But Paul says in verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, we are to do good to all people, especially to those who are in the family of believers. So the summation of this is this. Here it is. Sowing to please the Spirit, which is what my challenge to you is, in this family-focused message, sowing to please the Spirit is doing good to other people, especially in the family, in the church. Sowing spiritual seed has everything to do with how you act toward other people, especially those in your spiritual family. And I also believe in your home family. (laughs) See, our behavior toward other people especially toward other believers, people in God's family, that is the seed that we're sowing. It is. And so if, using that scripture I shared with you earlier, if God sets the lonely in families and he leads prisoners out with singing and sets them in families, wouldn't family be a great place to thrive and really walk into your destiny? Yes, I believe the family is the healthiest place to thrive and grow. I really believe that. It's like, but yeah, you don't know about my family at home. Well, I may not know, <laughs> and I may not want to know, but 
hey, no family is perfect. Uh, in fact, some of you, you may have come from a deeply flawed family. In fact, I'll say just you probably did come from a deeply flawed, very dysfunctional family. I've heard this said before. It's like there's a little dysfunction in every family. I think we can just kind of like accept that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that's really the way it is. But you see, I believe that the enemy attacks families because he hates the whole family structure. That's why dysfunction happens. It started in Genesis. Cain killed Abel, you know? Because family is where health lies. So this year, I'm challenging you to create a healthy family for yourself, but as as well, a healthy family right here with our church. Now, some of you, you might be single. You might live alone. You may not have a blood family or a home family that you're with. Say, well, how does that include me? Well, I think the principles that you hear in this, in, this, in this church, in this room, and that you experience as you, as you engage with family life as a church, it will help you to begin to prepare your heart and your mind and even your actions toward future blood family. You sow to the family and you will reap it, okay? I believe that God, for some of you, for some of you who have no blood family right now, you are going to begin to create strategies this year that will help you with your future family and learn, you're going to learn some healthy family principles from this, from the church family. I think one of the best things that you can do is to do this, is to seek to understand and to bear, bear with one another. Try to understand the other person. Bear with the other person. I'm telling you, that's actually core to having a healthy family. Do you realize that? And it starts right here in this place. I'm telling you, th- this year, we're going to seek to understand one another. We're going to begin to bear with one another. Around here at City Life, we're just not going to throw one another under the bus. How about that? I think it's a good thing. Because healthy family, that's how they operate. It really does. How many of you ever heard of the, the Enneagram? Yeah, Enneagram. How many of you have done it? You know your Enneagram number. That's right. A lot of you do. I, I actually love it. it. It started the early Christianity with the Desert Fathers. And, and in fact, I got this great Christian book to understanding the Enneagram and, and uh, I've given it to the staff and, as well as my whole family. In fact, my family has, we've, we've sat down and we've examined each other's Enneagram number. And, and, uh, and the experience has really been amazing because it's, it's opened our eyes to understand one another more to bear with one another more. In fact, I'll tell you, that in and of itself has done wonders even in my own blood family. Uh, later on this year, I'm gonna introduce some of those concepts and principles to you so we can understand and bear with one another in the city life family well. And I hope that you'll even carry that over into your own marriages and your own families. But uh, in preparing for the onset of 2020, I felt God speaking to me. And, and I, I mean, for real. Um, those of you who've been around here for a while, you know that I don't say that very often because I want to, I, actually, this, this platform, I feel like it's a, it's a sacred place. And I don't ever want it to be abused by me or any other person who says, God says this and God says that. I mean, unless you're actually reading from the scriptures, <laughs> then whatever you're saying that God said, it, it really needs to be tested. Uh, I, I believe in that. That's why I don't say it a lot unless I'm, it's actually coming from the scriptures. But I want to say it today because I feel like God said something to me about our church. And this, is, this was a while back, several weeks ago, and it's been confirmed many times over in my spirit. In fact, it was even confirmed as I got away with a group of ministers this week, and some prophetic words came to me personally, and, and I just believe in this. I, I believe this is a word from God for us. So you can test it, and if you don't feel it's from God, then, you know, whatever, but I feel it's from God. 
I feel this is a word from God. Here it is. I felt God saying to us, to me, city life will thrive as we create a healthy, engaged family culture. Healthy, engaged family culture. I think we already have a lot of the fundamentals of it. It's just time to take it a whole lot deeper. I believe that this is from God. And I want my church to thrive. I do. I want my church family to thrive. I want my blood family to thrive as well. In the same way, I want my blood family to thrive, which I know you do too. I want this church to thrive. I I, I want us to become healthy. I I envision uh, us being deeply engaged in each other's lives. A strong, healthy family culture right here at City Life Church. Because in reality, come on, family is the safest place you can be. Because in family, you don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to be in that prison anymore. You don't have to be in that rebellious place out in the middle of the scorching desert. You don't have to be isolated because we're family. We're family. At the Partners Banquet two weeks ago from tonight, two weeks ago, wow, I shared several scriptures that, that will define our year to the partners. And... Um, and from these scriptures today, I've created some, just some little statements, several statements. These are like little declarations for the year 2020. And uh, because according to the scriptures is how a family should thrive. This is how City Life Church will thrive as we become a healthy, engaged family culture. So what I did is, is when I felt God saying, this is what we're going to do, then I want to see what the Bible says, everything the Bible says about family. And so I, I dug into it. And I, I spent many, many hours just going through the whole Bible. And what does it say about family? What does it say about family? And so whatever it applies to, to families, I, I want that for us. And, and I found some really interesting things that I just wanted to clear over us today. I'm going to start off by saying we are family, all right? Now, I'm not saying we are family, and we're not going to sing it. We're not going to do that. I was there in the 70s when that came out. We're not going to do that, all right? Jordan, do not close the service with that song. I know you think you want to do Do not do that. But we are family. And here are the things that, that, I, that I proclaim over us. This is family, so we're in this place. There's going to be training for life and ministry. We are family here. So here in this place, we will be calling out the mothers and fathers among us. We are family, and in this place, we are resisting our desire just for personal comfort. We're family, so in this place, we're going to be launching people onto their cultural streets. We are family. We are establishing a culture of honor among us. We're family where we look out for each other. Come on. We're family where we keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus. Jesus is central. We're family where we grow in our covenant relationships. We're family where personal offense has no place. We're family where unity is the key to blessing. We are family where we honor God's spirit in everyone. We are family where we are liberating people and bringing them into our family. We're family utilizing the gifts of the spirit. Those are the things you're gonna hear me talking about this year as we move forward because this is the aim of what a healthy church family looks like. And, it, and it's not community. Uh, I want to bring this up because it's important. Some of, I, I know that some people like to use the word community when they talk about church. And, and if you have a friend or there's another preacher or someone who does that, don't write them notes. Please don't. don't. They've not heard the sermon, okay? So just let them go, okay? It's, it's all right. It's not going to hurt you. Um, but 
I don't like using the word community to describe the aim of the local church. I actually disagree with that term. Community is a good term. It's very good. But a community is like Fort Worth. It's like, hey, I'm all for that, right? <laughs> Go Fort Worth. Boo Dallas. So we, 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 <laughs> we understand the importance of community. I'm all for that. But when, it, when you take the word community and try to apply it to a local church, it just really doesn't work. The, the word community just seems kind of like it waters it all down. A little bit of mushy. So I would say probably about 15 years ago, I just stopped using the word community when it referred to the local church. And then I even started noticing that the word community in the Bible is never used to describe the local church. Hmm. Well, maybe it's something different. Because the church is actually family. Well, I want you to look again at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Because it says here, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, that word family right there is critical. Now, the New Testament was not originally written in English. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was written in Greek. And uh, Greek was the educated language that people wrote in. That was the writing language of first century AD. People wrote in Greek. Educated people, that's what they did. And so they used a unique word that's translated family into our language and that word in the Greek language is called oikos. It's a very simple word. I'm familiar with it. I even learned that in college. But it's found well over 150 times in the New Testament. And it's used by almost all the New Testament authors. So that word is pretty important. Now, here's what I found interesting. I just found this just, just a, f- a few days ago. What I found interesting is that the term oikos is used in the New Testament to identify three different types of family. I'd never seen it before. And then, the truth is, I mean, a few weeks ago, some of you may remember, I shared with you these three types of family. Um, And I determined that really just from the study of scriptures. But, But then I discovered that oikos is the term, the Greek term that's used to uh, identify each one of those families in the New Testament. I mean, I, I just got elated. I got really happy because that's what it's like. Yeah, I guess I really did hear from God the first time without doing the word study because this is what it is. I want to give you these three types of family that are written in the New Testament as oikos. All three have the same word. So we're, we use the word family. Three types of family. First is the blood family. Your blood family are your literal physical relatives, uh, your, your spouses or even adopted children. That is the home. That's the household. That's your blood family. All right? We move beyond, and that one's easy to understand. Now, we take a step further, and there's another, oikos, the same word to identify a home family, a blood family, is also the same term used to identify a local church. It's people who are a part of a local congregation is used the same term as that. Pretty cool, right? And then that same term is used to identify God's family, which are the children of God, anyone who has been uh, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't you love that? And if you think you're going to end me talking by coming up here and playing on that keyboard, you have got another thing coming. You can play all you want. All right. Like some guy sneaks out from back and starts playing the bass. That doesn't mean anything. All right, guys, I'm excited about this. Every, I still love you though. 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, because I drew attention to you. Every type of family, but every type of family, all three of these, all three oikos in the New Testament, all three of these, I love this, they all have these same basic elements. And, and I had identified these a while back as well, and I helped the staff help me to, to, to formulate some, some better verbiage for them. But there are these elements of every single family. These, these are seven elements that you will not find in any other structure. You won't find them in a business. You don't find them in a community. You don't find them in a nation. There might be various ones of them, but never all seven except in these three types of family. So this is huge, guys. So when we're learning about family, we're learning about the God's family worldwide, the local church family, and your own home family. All of these principles go together. Here are the elements that are of every family. Take a look at them. Number one is covering. Every family has a head. Um, there's an authority figure. There's someone who says, this is just the way it's going to be. We're, we're going to do this. You know, family, like home families that try to do that, it's like, well, we both make all the decisions. Like, no, you don't. That's, that's just like, that doesn't happen. Because I want to go to Disney World, and she wants to go to Disneyland. I'm like, well, bye. I'm going this way. Okay, bye. No, you don't do that, all right? Someone's going to make the decision. So every family has a head. Every family has an authority figure. All three. It's beautiful. The, the head of the, the worldwide church right, is Jesus. In fact, the, the scriptures are very, very clear. It is Jesus who is the head. <laughs> I love this. Number two, every family has a code. A code. These are established boundaries that the family operates within. Okay, I'm going to be talking about that this next Sunday, but you may not have a written code at your home. I, I know that. You probably don't. But you have a code. It's, it's unspoken, but it's there. There are certain things that you just, the ways you do things. Uh, you figure out your own family codes when you get married. And you get married to that other person, they have a different family code. And you're like, well, that's not how we did. That's not how my mom did. That's not how my mom did. My dad did this. My dad did that. You know, and so, you got, you kind of st- so, so you've got to figure out your own code for your family, right? So, so that's how families work. But every family has these established boundaries. It's a code. And uh, the third one is this, covenant relationships. Every family has deep love commitments toward one another. It's outlined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Number four, every family has this. Families have contribution. Every family member contributes to the successful function of the family. Now, I struggled with this one a little bit because at first I thought, well, well, how does it work well, like when a new baby comes to the family? What does the baby do? They're not making the beds. You know, they're spitting up. You know, so, but as, as I was putting all this together, then right in the middle of that, God blessed my household with, with a grandbaby. And then I realized, well, that grandbaby can't do anything, but that grandbaby does a lot. Because when that grandbaby's in the room, everybody's like, ah, brings joy and life and pleasure to the family. And I thought, well, how does it work in the church? Well, just like this. You you guys just, when when people give their lives to Christ here in this place, this place erupts in applause. This joy is happening. Yeah, that's that's so beautiful. It's so amazing. The Bible even says that, that or in the worldwide church of God, that when even one person comes to Christ, I mean, they throw a party in heaven. The angels rejoice. Pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. So every, there's always contribution. Every family has contribution. Here's the fifth one. Care. Every family creates a sense of security and safety and protection. You're safe in the family. You're safe in the family. We're not going to just get mad at you and throw you out the door. You're safe in the family. We protect our children. We're safe in the family. 
Number six is this, a common name. Every family has a common name. Oh, so that's, that's your surname. I talked about that a few weeks ago. But it, you, you express your identity through your name, like us, City Life Church. That's our common name. Some people say, I'm a city lifer. Well, yeah, good, good, that's your name. Uh, and then the Worldwide Church of God, well, what do we call that? Well, you know, you do, you know. It's been around since the very beginning of Christianity. Christianity. That's why they call it Christianity, Christian. In fact, that word Christian is used worldwide to describe people who are part of the body of Christ. Six elements of oikos. Here's the seventh. The seventh is this, is a craving to reproduce and expand. It's a craving to reproduce and expand. Now, you know, the church worldwide, I've been sharing this with you a few weeks ago, it's just been continually growing and growing ever since it, it came about. But every family feels the need to enlarge itself or, or to multiply a church who has a healthy family, has a healthy family that wants to grow. Churches plant churches. I mean, that's why, that's why we exist, you know? It's, and, 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 and we grow. We want to we grow. We want to establish other churches. That's, that's what the, the family does as well. The home family, the blood family. Uh, there, there's, a, there's an intense craving for children. At least some point along the way, that, that happens. Not every family can have children, but that's why so many people adopt children, just like God adopted us and brought us into this, and that's the perfect picture of that. There's a craving for that. And and here's the deal. When we start getting this down and acting like this as a family, I tell you what, guys, the sky is the limit. God is released in this place like nothing else. When you start teaching your, your house, your, your local church, your family, like a family, then when I finish with a particular series of messages, you don't feel like, okay, now I need to go to, to another place to hear, to get a, you know, hear from a new professor. Because <laughs> City Life is not a series of lectures. And I'm not a professor. I'm not as smart as the professors in this room. <laughs> I'm, not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a professor. We're not some series of podcast messages. That's not City Life. City Life is not something at the convention center where we all come and get pumped up and then go on our way and scatter. No, we are family. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. You want what the Bible says the number one criteria for a pastor? It's family management and family leadership skills. Not a degree. Did you get that? I have my degree. I have my credentials. I have all that stuff in line. But you know what? The Bible, Bible says, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to, need to know how to be a good dad and a good husband and all these other things first. Right? So I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a, this is my family. This right here is my family also. And here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask something of you today. I'm going to simply ask you to commit to being in church for the next two Sundays. Or how about this? You're going to do your best to be in church the next two Sundays. You'll just do your best. Now, some of you here, you're going, well, I can't because I don't go to church here. Well, that's fine. You don't. But I'm going to ask for hands raised here in just a second. You're just going to do your best. Well, what if I'm in the hospital? Well, you can't be here then, duh. You know, then, but still, you're going to do your best, right? Now, what if you don't want to do your best? Like, well, I don't care. I don't even care if I'm right. Or, or I'm just visiting. Well, then don't put your hand up. I mean, don't lie in church. I mean, come on. Don't lie. But if you'll just do your best just to be here the next two Sundays... I'm going to ask in just a second if you just lift your hand and say, you know what, I'll do my best to be here the next couple of weeks. 
as we learn some of these structures of family and how we can function like that and how you can take these things and integrate them into your own life and watch God do amazing stuff in your life and in this church. How many of you will say, I will do my best to be here the next two Sundays? Lift your hand for me. Lift your hand. Good, good, good. No one's judging you if you didn't put your hand down. Put it down now. Put it down. So stop looking around. <laughs> Did, remember that one? The first one I said earlier, do not judge. Yeah, don't judge. We're not judging. I don't want to be judged. I'm not condemning you either because I don't want to be condemned. And I've forgiven you also because I want to be forgiven. I want to just take a look at our theme scripture for 2020 one more time. This is good. In fact, at the beginning of my messages this year, I'm I'm going to have us, when we're still standing, I'm going to have us quote this scripture. I want us to get this into our hearts. Take a look at it. In fact, will will you say it with me? It's on the screens. It's in your Bible. Say it with me. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun scorched. Isolation is rebellion. Isolation is the enemy of family. Isolation makes you a prisoner in a sun-scorched land. And I'm going to challenge you today, first of all, to break out of isolation. Because I want you to be led out with singing. I want you to experience healthy family intimacy. It's in this intimacy is it's basically this. It's just being loved and known and, and, uh, and being able to accept love from others and even yourself and accepting love from Christ. How does that work? Well, honestly, it's just through accepting Christ as your Savior, and that puts you into the big family, the worldwide family of believers. That's where I want you to start. That is the starting place. Like, I'm going to jump into this family. I want my sin forgiven. I'm tired of living in, under guilt, shame, and condemnation. I, I don't want to be rebellious against what God has. I, I want to be, I want to have this. There's so many people that are standing out there their arms folded, their jaws clenched in their sun-scorched wilderness, and God is saying, I gave my son Jesus so that you don't have to be there. That's what this is about. You don't have to. I want want to put a song in your mouth. I want you to come where you can be fully loved and understood, cared about. That's family. That's coming into the church of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray in just a second. And, uh, and so I'm just going to ask that nobody move around here in the room. Please no movement for just a second. Because if you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus, and you're living under guilt, shame, and condemnation for your sin, it's just time to be free. It's time to get into the worldwide church of Jesus, just to be a Christian. I want you to add that name Christian to you. Not just by some, some saying, yeah, I, I, I'm a Christian. Like, no, no, no. Are, are you, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Because if so, then that puts you into God's family. And I'm telling you guys, there's nothing like the family of God. And I'm talking about the world. I can go anywhere in this world, and I've traveled a lot, but you go to other countries and you meet other believers, it's like you've known each other forever. It's the weirdest thing. You don't even speak the same language, but you know them. It's because you're part of the same family. We're going to be together with each other in eternity forever. I want that. Why live in a sun-scorched land? And the parallel to that is hell. Why do that to yourself? If you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I want my sin forgiven. Today I want to make the choice to serve Jesus. I'm going to ask you just at the count of three to lift your hand so that I can see your hand and you can connect. I can connect my faith with yours. So with, if everyone in a spirit of prayer right now, 
if that's you this morning, say, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I want to be a part of the family of God. I, I want you to lift your hand so that I can connect my faith with you. It's time for you to step into your new identity fully and completely. Is that you? One, two, three. Lift your hand for me. Lift your hand all across this room. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jesus loves you, loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life and life to the full. Today, everything changes. If you lifted your hand, I want you, along with every other person in this room, to pray with me. And I want you to pray aloud. Congregation, I want you to pray aloud as an encouragement to those who are giving their life to Christ today. Today is a day where angels rejoice in heaven. Church, will you all stand with me? Everyone's standing right now. Please, everyone's standing. If you lifted your hand, please pray these words with me. Congregation, pray it as well. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. I walk into the family, the family of God. (laughs) Thank you for taking me in. Thank you for adopting me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.